Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. I'd like to take just a quick moment and give a special shout out to the Patreon members. Cindy Cleveland, Tavia S, Interscare Wifey, Samantha, OKV, Tina Mead, Mana Ash, Felicia Scott, House of Jen, and Nancy Wallace. Thank you all so much for being a part of the new membership. Down below in the description box, if you would like to become a Patreon member or a member of Back to Ashes here on YouTube, you can find all of that below. If you like what you are hearing, please give a thumbs up as it does help this video reach the YouTube algorithm. Also, if you're not subscribed, please do subscribe and turn on that notification bell to all so you know every time I upload. It really does help the channel out. As well, if you'd like, the buy me a coffee link is in the description box. And if you'd like to buy me a coffee because you like what you hear, it would be much appreciated. Now, with all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For when we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in to get warm and enjoy this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Let's Not Meet Stories. Right after this intro, an ad will play. I'll read the first story and another ad will play. After that, there will be no more ads within this video. This story still gives me nightmares. I'm a 21-year-old female. I drive from Miami to Daytona Beach, near Orlando, almost every other week. I make sure to fuel up before I start off, but this one day, this one unfortunate day, I didn't. I left Daytona around 12 a.m., driving back to Miami. I drive a black Mustang, 40th anniversary. I was literally flooring it home through I-95. The entire route was empty other than a few trucks and small cars here and there. I was jamming to some good music, not paying much attention to what was going on with my fuel tank. Around 2.30, 2.45ish a.m., the low fuel warning came up. I saw it and started looking for the nearest exit, which happened to be Boynton Beach. I have never been there and had no idea and still don't, about how the area is. I took the exit and saw that there's a Circle K right off the exit. I was a little relieved because now I at least wouldn't run out of fuel in the middle of nowhere. Now, with barely any fuel left in my car, I pull up to this gas station. It's totally empty. I cannot even see a single car inside or even outside on the road. There were no people other than one tall man in a red-colored jacket walking around near the side of the gas station store where all the parking spots are, but he was not very close to the pump I was at. I was a little scared, but I usually try to shake off my fear by telling myself that it's nothing. The man at this point is looking at the ground, but kind of walking in the general direction of my car. I'm still inside the car, contemplating whether I should get out or stay in. Usually, I would have gotten out and fueled up, not being scared. But that day, something in my gut told me to lock the door and wait inside until he either goes away or walks past my car. At this point, this guy's just a few feet away from my car, still not looking at me. I'm trying to tell myself, it's okay, he doesn't even care that I'm here, I should get out. But then, my worst fear comes to life. This man looks up straight at me and dashes towards the driver's side door and tries to open it. At this point, it's around 3 a.m., 
with no other people in the general vicinity. I literally froze for a second and thought I'm going to die. He pulled on the door handle several times, trying to get it open. But then, I somehow got my senses back, turned the car on, and floored it. He didn't let go of the door handle until I started the car and hit the gas pedal. I am so thankful that despite the low fuel, my car still started up and drove off. I had nothing on me to defend myself, nothing at all other than a plastic fork I got from Panda Express earlier that day. I still can't get over the whole experience. It still scares the living shit out of me. Creepy man from the gas station, I hope I never meet you again. This happened about 10 years ago. I was in graduate school at the time, working on my master's degree for clinical social work. My practicum was at a confidential shelter which housed women and children seeking shelter from domestic violence. Since I was an intern, I worked a lot of late night shifts. After closing up the shelter, I headed home. It was after midnight and the roads were fairly empty. I lived in a smaller town at the time, so this was not unusual. As I approached the stoplight, I noticed a man a few yards away, walking toward the crosswalk. I suddenly felt very anxious and had an unsettling feeling, so I immediately locked my car doors. This was before I had a car with automatic locks. I usually drove without locking my car doors, as I had never felt unsafe while doing so. I felt better after having locked doors and pulled up to the red light. Staring ahead, I noticed the man never crossed the street. I glanced to my right, where I had seen him earlier and came face to face with his face pressed up against my passenger side window. I screamed, honked my horn, and told him to go away, but he continued standing there, staring right at me. Then, he tried the handle of the door without success. I continued screaming at him, honking my horn and waiting for the red light to change. The man straightened, stepped away from the passenger side door, and moved quickly to my driver's side door, trying the handle again, but without success. He stood with a wide stance next to my car, as though he was lunging. At the moment, I thought to myself, screw it, and slammed the gas to run the red light. The man kind of stumbled when I did this, and I think I ran over his foot in my escape. When I arrived home, I woke up my husband to tell him and called the police. The police never found the man, as by the time they sent someone out, he was gone. The police officer did commend me for running the red light, as well as for potentially running over the man's foot. So, to the creepy man who tried to get into my car in the middle of the night... Let's not meet. This happened a few years ago. I, a 28-year-old female, was on the way to the BMV before work. For some context, we have two major streets, Lane Avenue and Park Avenue and our city with many residential streets that intersected both avenues. I was headed south from Lane to Park Avenue. My destination was on Park, 
on one of the intersecting streets when a woman, about 22 years old, ran out in front of my truck. My truck was an old Ford that did not have automatic locks. I had barely stopped when she hopped into my truck, not even asking through my window for a ride or help. She got in and I told her to get out. She said she was diabetic and it was her birthday and begged me to go back the opposite direction to her home. I told her no, I had to get to work. She said her boyfriend beat her up. She had not a single scratch or bruise on her, but I asked if she needed an ambulance anyway. It was 90 degrees outside and she claimed to be having a diabetic episode, and she begged me not to call. After a few minutes of her arguing, begging, pleading with me, and me saying no, I finally and forcefully told her I wasn't moving until she got the F out of my truck. At this point, she opened the door and jumped out. I started to drive away as soon as her feet hit the ground. She slammed the door shut and yelled through my window, Oh yeah? Well, I've just been stabbed. And when I looked in the rear view, she was waiting in the road for the next car. I called 911 and told them what had happened and where she was. I knew if she was truly diabetic in the 90 plus degree weather, without food or water, she could become delusional very quickly. But every instinct in my body tells me she had more sinister intentions, especially living in one of the human trafficking hubs of the country. I don't want to know what fate I could have met had I taken her to wherever her supposed destination was. Girl that hopped in my truck, I hope I never see you again. I was 20, living alone on the ground floor of an apartment building. My living room windows faced the small parking lot of the building, which wasn't gated. I'd stayed up late, watching TV or playing games almost every night. It was winter when I first moved in, so I'd have the blinds down at night to help keep the cold air out. Summer came and there was no AC in the apartment, so I'd open the windows and blinds at night for cool air. One night... I'm lying on the couch watching TV when I get that feeling of being watched. I looked over at the window and a man had his hands and face pressed against the screen, merely three feet from where I was lying, just watching me. I let out a blood-curdling scream and he did not even blink. Terrified, I jumped up, grabbed the phone, and screamed that I was calling the cops. He just stood there, completely motionless and dead-eyed. At that point, I yelled that I'm getting the neighbor and started walking to the door. And then, he finally took off. I locked the window and stayed up all night, completely on edge. My boyfriend at the time came over and stayed for a full week. He made sure to leave the blinds open and sat at the edge of the couch closest to the window to make it known I wasn't always alone. The creeper didn't show up again, so eventually I got comfortable thinking it was an isolated incident of some rando wandering around the parking lot to break into cars. 
Maybe another three weeks after that, I get home late from waiting tables and park in the lot. I get changed, grab a snack, and head to the living room to play games. I start to raise the blinds to open the windows and let in cool air, and the creeper is standing right there with his face pressed against the screen. He was not standing in the parking lot when I pulled in, as I parked right by my window. I can only assume he was waiting around the corner of the building, watching me come home and timing my movements. This time, I grabbed the phone and immediately called the cops. I was shaking, crying, completely hysterical. The creeper took off. The cops come and say they'll have someone patrol the block when they can, and my boyfriend immediately comes over. He wants to stay with me until I can get out of there, so I start looking at different apartments. Another three to four weeks or so later, I have an apartment lined up on a high floor in a doorman building, because at this point, screw that. My boyfriend had to go out of town for a few days, so I decided to go stay at my friend's place, because I certainly wasn't going to be there alone. I'm at my friend's place for two nights, but wanted to run home and grab a few things I'd forgotten. She goes with me, for obvious reasons, and we go in the afternoon, not after dark. We decide to hang out for a bit and play games together because it's daylight and there's activity around the building. No AC, so I hesitantly raise the blinds to get fresh air. I'm terrified opening them, then laugh to myself because I do it, and of course, no one is there. I open the actual window and see two large holes cut into the screen. Right above the latches, you push in to lift it. They were definitely not there two days ago. My blood ran entirely cold. The creeper knew my boyfriend was gone. He was watching and saw his car was gone. I'd left my car there as my friend picked me up, and we always left a light on in the living room to make the creeper think we were awake. So he saw my car, thought I was home, saw the light on, yet proceeded to cut holes in the screen to break in. I had no idea if he actually gained access, but seeing how bold he was terrified me. How long had he been watching me, learning my patterns and getting gradually more aggressive with every interaction? I still sometimes get a chill when I raise my blinds, and it took a long time getting comfortable living in anything but a high-rise. Thanks for the lifelong PTSD, Creeper. I hope I never see you again. I live in a not-so-great area in Cleveland, Ohio. This story happened to me about three weeks ago, when I was homebound from work because I was sick. I was sitting in my kitchen eating cereal when I noticed a black van parked opposite the street of my house. There were like three people in it, but I just assumed it had something to do with one of my neighbors. I keep my house deadbolted anyways and have a gun and an alarm system. I was watching YouTube on my phone when it rang with an unknown number. I picked it up, asking who it was, and it was a woman. She said, is this 
and said my name. I said yes, and she kept talking, telling me that my girlfriend was in a bad car crash and was severely injured. She told me I needed to come as quickly as possible, as I may not have a lot of time left. After hearing that, I sort of became manic. I grabbed my car keys and wallet and ran to my car to start driving to the hospital. I got halfway down the street when I realized I didn't even know what hospital, so I tried calling the number again, but they didn't pick up. I copy and pasted the number into Google, and a hospital didn't come up. Just a bunch of random crap. I tried calling my girlfriend's number, and she picked up immediately. It's embarrassing, but I was crying, and I asked her what happened and if she was okay. She said she was fine. And when I mentioned the hospital, she said she had no idea what I was talking about. I was really confused and couldn't really process what was happening, but I turned around and went home. When I got in view of my house, I saw the black van parked backwards into my driveway. It wasn't fully clicking in my dumb brain what was happening, but I knew well enough they had no reason to be in my driveway. When I drove over there, There was only one dude in the car now. The other two were literally right at my front door, which I had forgotten to lock when I ran out to my car. They were all wearing beanies and face masks, so it was hard to actually see what they looked like besides their eyes. When they saw me pull next to their van, the two started running back over to my car, and we all started having a shouting match. It was basically me screaming, what the hell are you doing parked in my driveway and them telling me to shut the F up. We kept doing that when one of them flashed a pistol at me and threatened to shoot me. As soon as I saw the gun, I floored my gas pedal and fumbled to dial 911 as I drove. I could see them pulling out in my rear view, driving in the opposite direction out of the neighborhood. The police still came and I gave them a description of the van and the clothes they were wearing. I also managed to memorize like half of their license plate, but I doubt they were real anyways. I had so much adrenaline pumping through my body I was shaking. I followed a report with them, but haven't heard back since. It's just kind of the way it is around here, sadly. Either way, I was really startled because not only did they know where I lived, But obviously, they were the caller and somehow knew my name, my girlfriend's name, and that I was home from work. That shit scared the hell out of me, and now I have a ring doorbell system. I also triple check that my doors are locked every single time I leave the house now. I pray to God some shit like that never happens to me again, because it was horrible. And to those people who tried robbing my house and threatened to kill me, I hope we never meet again. This just happened today, so, yeah, this is the scariest shit that has ever happened to me in my life. I am a social work student doing an internship at a mental institution. It's not like other hospitals. It's organized like a village with care houses for people who have different pathologies and did different things, ranging from murdering people, serial assault, to people who just have 
deficiencies and are considered harmless. There are closed and open units. It's in a remote town outside of the city I live in, and there are woods everywhere in the village. This patient in question is considered harmless, even though he sexually assaulted a nurse and another patient a few years back, and he has deviant tendencies. Thing is, he is in an open unit and free of his movements and can go out when he wants. Today, he came multiple times by the unit I was working in because he wanted a football magazine we didn't have. We had to lock ourselves in because he was screaming and hitting his fists against the door. At one point, he got yelled at by a colleague and started crying like a baby and ran away. It honestly made me feel so sad for him. He's in his late 20s, but he acts and talks like a child and has been here since his teenage years. My co-workers warned me and told me what to answer if I ever got face-to-face with him in order not to make him aggressive. So, I ended work a bit late this evening, and it was already night out. It was only me and my tutor left in the unit, and I had to leave by myself because she wanted to work a bit longer. I go out, take the usual route, the shortest way out, going through a small wooded area. There is absolutely no one outside. I walk for a few minutes, and suddenly... I hear someone running full speed behind me. I turn around, and it's him. My heart stopped for a second. He then stops and gets very close to me, starts asking me questions. If I had a boyfriend, if I'm Algerian, if I like football, what team do I support, and several times if I find him handsome. I respond positively to all his questions like I was told to do but I see he's not satisfied and is getting irritated and he's getting even closer, blocking my way. At that point, I think that's it. I'm alone at night here with this guy who already assaulted people and it's going to be my turn, if not worse. I was told to always go his way, so at that point, I think my only option to make him calmer is to talk something he likes. So I started talking football with him for a good few minutes. I start to see him in a better mood. And I think now is my chance. I tell him I really need to go, which he doesn't seem to agree with at first. But finally, I manage to get away. I walk as fast as I can to the exit of the hospital. At one point, I look back to see he's not there anymore, and I felt so relieved. At the end... I don't know what his intentions were, if I managed to get out from something really bad, or if he just wanted someone to talk to, but he really scared the shit out of me anyways. To the chaotic patient who scared me to death while leaving, I'll see you tomorrow in restraints. I'm sorry if this is a bit jumbled. I just really need to get this off my chest. My fiancé, a 27-year-old guy, and I, a 27-year-old female, are soon to be married and are remodeling an old family home. We started working on the house about two or three months ago. My fiancé bought a bunch of tools to use on the house to renovate. 
the house has been sitting with nobody in it for over a year. Keep in mind, the house is located in a fairly rural area. A few houses and trailers here and there, but not too much traffic. We have a rodent problem and have been setting traps to catch them. Three weeks ago, my fiancé went to check the traps and we had a rat that was alive. Long story short, he didn't want to take care of it, so he left. I got off work at nine and went over to the house to take care of the rat. It was raining and my mom and brother came with me. I went to the back door and it was wide open and water was blowing into the house. I was pretty pissed. I thought my fiancé had left the door open. I shut it and finished my business there. I asked my fiancé why he left the door open and he claimed he didn't. I called bullcrap and left it at that. Didn't occur to me that somebody had possibly made a quick getaway. Fast forward to today. My fiancé and I went to our house to throw a whole bunch of trash and stuff into the dumpster we rented. When we went inside, we immediately noticed that some things were missing. Drills, sanders, etc. We realized that they had been stolen. We call my mother-in-law and tell her about it. She says make a police report. What scares me so much about this is that everything began to click with the rat trap incident. Somebody has been scoping us out. I would go to our house by myself on many occasions and always had the creeps and felt watched. My little brother even remarked that he felt watched there and asked if we were sure nobody was in there while we were gone. I noticed today, when I was there alone, that my dog was acting very nervous and suspicious. She wasn't running and playing like she usually does, and didn't want me to go to the backyard or wooded area. I'm glad I trusted her and my gut feeling. I don't know if the thieves were there, but I'm glad I didn't find out. We are currently in the process of installing cameras. This had to have been somebody that lives near us and can monitor how often we were there. So, to the person or people that broke into my unfinished home, let's not meet. Ever. A quick update. So we did catch a car pulling in like it was scoping the place out. The people inside never got out, but they left. We asked a few of my fiancé's family members about it, and that was to our detriment. One of them went and spread the word that we have cameras and somebody in the neighborhood who owned the vehicle that we caught on camera slipped up and said that they already knew things had been stolen, which to me is basically a confession because we hadn't told anybody about the robbery until the incident with the car we caught on camera. So now... More people than necessary know, and we probably won't catch the person who did it. We still turn the footage into the police, though, and maybe they can dig up some background info. We all make dumb decisions in life, but in this case, I was stupid. Very stupid. I arranged to meet a guy off Tinder, but because of my heightened anxiety about driving, 
I arranged for him to pick me up outside my place. I had been talking to him for a few weeks at least, but that is not redeemable and I know that. The choice I made on this day could have ended me, but thankfully I'm still around to tell the tale. The guy picked me up in his car and told me he planned to take us out for sushi. I loved sushi, so I thought great. He put in the name of the restaurant into his GPS and we were off, making pleasant conversations on the way there until... until I started seeing woods when I looked out my window. I felt very confused. We were supposed to be going into town, not into the wilderness in the middle of nowhere. Fear hit me hard then. He said, I swear the GPS is taking me through here. I didn't choose this path. Please just get us back to civilization, I said. My eyes were wide and I must have looked like a deer in headlights. His face was really apprehensive, so he must have known that I was scared completely shitless. Oh my god, I thought to myself. I should have just conquered my anxiety about driving and met him somewhere public, or better yet, not met with this guy at all. What the hell was I thinking? I'm going to get murdered here in these woods. I tried checking my phone to see if I could assist him with the GPS. And that's when he said those spine-chilling words. There's no signal out here. I remember just thinking to myself to try to look calm. Don't let him think you suspect he's onto something. But man, did I feel terrified. The tips of my fingers were cold while I was simultaneously sweating. If he was going to kill me, part of me wanted him to get it over with so I wouldn't be left in anticipation. His forehead was perspiring. He kept saying, I swear I'm not doing this. I'm trying to get us back en route to the sushi place. I said, I don't care about sushi anymore. Get us to a gas station, anywhere with people at this point. He said, I don't have a shovel or weapon in my trunk or anything, if that's what you're thinking. Which did little to calm my nerves. We finally reached the restaurant after what felt like an eternity. I'd never been so scared in my life. I didn't have much of an appetite, and I was physically trembling when we arrived. But I figured he didn't kill me when he had the chance, so I guess it was safe now to continue with our date. I already planned on taking an Uber home, because I didn't want to go through that experience again. I was shocked out of my mind when he then asked, so when do you think we'll have sex? I nearly choked on a piece of sashimi. What? I didn't know where this was coming from and I didn't know how he could ask me something like this. Now on a first date, when he literally saw me pale as a ghost just moments ago. You know, like how long will you make me wait for sex? A day? A week? A month? I stared at him dumbfounded. I couldn't respond because I was utterly speechless in that moment. Well, I can't wait a whole month. I'm telling you now, he said. I didn't say anything and the rest of the date was insanely awkward. I said goodbye as I took my Uber home and only seconds after my Uber pulled out of the restaurant parking lot, 
He texted me to say that he doesn't think it will work out with me because he needs a girl with a higher libido. I didn't argue. I just texted back a simple, okay, ready to be done with this man. When the Uber driver drove me home, he did not take me through the wilderness pathway of a potential murder site. He took me home through the streets, other cars, lights, the sweetest scene to my immense relief. I couldn't help but wonder why my date had to take me through an hour drive through the wilderness to get to the restaurant, but it only took the Uber driver 15 minutes to get me home from the same location. The whole thing was chilling. I don't know if my date planned on anything sinister, or if it was an honest mistake, but I'm glad I made it out alive. I learned a tough lesson that night, one that I should have already known but that I foolishly ignored for some reason. Don't let strangers from a dating app pick you up in their cars. So, to the guy who took me through the woods, I hope we freaking never meet again. Alright. I spent my entire slow day at work yesterday reading through all the true let's not meet stories. So now, I want to share a little of my story. My childhood best friend, Marie and I, were around 11 or 12 years old at the time. Marie's family had their own campsite in a provincial park about two hours from our hometown and would spend the entire summer each year living in their camper out there. This particular summer, I was able to go and stay with them for a week, and we were excited to spend our time adventuring around the forest. On the last night I was there, we decided we wanted to hurry down to the ice cream shop by the lake before it closed. It was early evening at this point, still pretty bright out, but beginning to lose light. The path we took was down a short slope right next to the main road, with maybe 10 feet of thick brush and trees in between. On the other side was the forest, with more tall, thick brush. So we were walking along, not seeing a single other person on the path in front or behind us. We hear a sudden rustling and snapping of branches, similar to the sound of maybe a deer moving through the woods. I wouldn't have thought anything of it, but then the sound of running footsteps follows. Marie glances back and suddenly grabs my arm urging me under her breath not to look back. At the same time, the running stops. I don't know why I didn't ignore her and get a look myself. I guess I could sense the very real fear in her voice and chose to listen. We both start to panic, getting that feeling like when you're running up the stairs from turning the basement light off. We pick up speed as much as we can without breaking into a sprint knowing the ice cream shop is only about a minute walk away at this point. The path soon breaks and we are in a parking lot. Suddenly, Marie steers me hard to the left, heading towards the lake and the boat rental instead of continuing straight to the ice cream shop, and I go along with it silently, understanding ice cream is no longer an interest right now. Marie is clearly panicking at this point. We are both looking around, but... It seems whatever scared her is nowhere in sight. Marie walks up to the boat rental and gets us a kayak, 
and we climb in and begin to paddle out to the middle of the lake. As we paddle, she tells me that there was a man behind us and that the man had stopped running at us very abruptly upon making eye contact with her. He had been wearing a long black coat with the hood up despite it being the middle of July, had a terrible smirk on his face, and she swore that as he stopped running, she saw him put something shiny away in his coat. He appeared to have just emerged out of the bushes after we walked past, giving the sounds we heard right before he came running onto the path. We reached the center of the lake and stopped paddling. I pull out my Nokia brick phone that my parents had, thank God, given me, just in case. I hand it to Marie and tell her to call her parents to come pick us up. As the phone rings, I see her look out past me to the shore and go pale, lifting a hand to point to what she's seeing. I turned, and there was the man, stalking his way around the path that circled the edge of the lake, staring out at us. We sat in the middle of the lake and watched him do two full laps, not looking away from us, before finally disappearing. It took a few tries to get a hold of her family. We were freaking out so bad the whole time, as the sun got lower and lower. We did manage to have someone come with the truck, but by the time we reached the shore, it was pretty dark outside. I don't know what we would have done if we hadn't been able to call for a ride. Looking back, I don't know why we didn't just go up to the ice cream shop and form an adult there and ask her parents to come get us then. But it worked out. We got back safe and we thankfully never saw the man again. So, to the hooded man in the woods trying to follow us, I hope I never see you again. This was back in 2013, when I was living in New York City as a 23-year-old. I was living with my best friend from college on the west side near Times Square in K-Town. I was going through some tough times back then, as I was unemployed at that time. I had a lot of time, so I would go on walks by myself to clear my head from time to time. One night, I was feeling especially depressed so I decided to walk to K-Town to grab a drink by myself. I'm Korean, by the way. I walked into a Korean bar, and I got some weird looks from the waiter as I asked for a table by myself. After ordering a couple of soju bottles, I was feeling pretty drunk, so I decided to walk back home. However, as I was exiting out of the bar, this Korean guy followed me. He looked very normal, just like a nice Korean guy. He told me that he saw me drinking at the bar by myself and that he would love to walk me home to make sure I get home safely. I politely declined. After all, my apartment was pretty close. But he insisted and he looked so harmless that I decided to take him up on his offer. We walked like 10 minutes, I think, and it was quite pleasant. We were both a little drunk, but I remember talking about all sorts of things, nothing personal. When we finally arrived at my apartment, I thanked him and wished him farewell. Now, my apartment was a five-story walk-up, 
and there was the main door where we needed a key to open to get into the building. We didn't have a doorman. I didn't think much of it, and inserted the key to open the door and went in. The door takes a while to close, shut, and it was my mistake for not checking before I went upstairs. While I was approaching the second floor, I heard someone grab the door from closing, and I heard footsteps coming up the stairs. I literally got goosebumps all over my body, and I felt like I was in danger. As I started to pick up the pace, I heard the footsteps going faster up the stairs. I lived on the fifth floor, and I started to run up, clutching my keys in my hand. The guy started to run up the stairs as well, and I can literally hear him getting closer and closer to me. This all happened in a couple of seconds, but it felt so long. I finally got to my floor, and as I tried to open the door, I looked back and literally saw the guy's head on the staircase. I rushed to open the door, and I managed to close the door right on his face. My heart was beating so fast, and I didn't know what to do at this point. It was already 3 a.m., and my roommate was asleep. Luckily, he didn't knock or anything, so I decided to just go to my room and hope that he's gone home. Around 7 a.m., my roommate woke me up. She said that there was a man standing in front of our apartment door. My heart sank, and I explained the whole situation to her. She and I went to the door and screamed that we were going to call the police if he doesn't go home. I looked at the peephole, and he told me that he will only go home if I gave him my number. We then called the police and saw him being escorted out. My roommate had to go to work, so she left the apartment and called me a few minutes later. She told me that she saw the guy speaking to the police downstairs. Apparently, he tried to lie to the officers that I'm his girlfriend and that we got into a fight. My roommate went up to them and explained to the officers that I do not have a boyfriend and that she doesn't know him at all. The police let him off with a warning. About two hours later, I heard a buzz from the main door downstairs. Maybe it's the police? Surely it can't be him again. I answered the intercom, and I was shook. It was him again. Just give me your number and I'll go away, he said. I warned him that I'm going to call the police again if he doesn't leave. A couple of minutes later, I heard ferocious knocks on my door. He must have gotten in when someone was entering the building. I was so scared at that point, so I immediately called the police. Unfortunately, the guy ran away before the police got there. The worst part about this experience was that my roommate and I were so scared to leave and come back to our apartment. I would have anxiety every time I came home worried that I might see him in front of our apartment door. For about a week, the police escorted us when we felt scared. Thank you, policeman. I never saw him again, but it was one of the scariest moments of my life. So, creepy stalker dude, let's not meet.
So, to preface, I would like to state that this story is probably going to sound like a plot from a campy 1980s horror movie, and it's going to be very long. However, this entire story is true. If not for being five miles from cell reception and the way the story ends, there would be a police report for verification. I will be changing names, locations, and some details in order to protect the privacy of the innocent. A buddy of mine and I try to camp twice a month, now that I have a vehicle that can be trusted to get me to some of the more remote areas of our state. We planned a camping trip for this past weekend, February 18th through February 20th. We chose a fairly remote location we had been to the previous weekend. The previous weekend, we were the only people we'd seen within one mile of our camp spot. Friday night, we got there and set up. The story takes place Saturday night. It's about 9 p.m., so the sun is long gone and the moon hasn't quite risen yet. It's pitch blackout, other than what our fire lights up. Suddenly, we hear a man screaming. We listen intently, silently sharing an anxious look. At first, we were hoping it was someone drunk and having a little too much fun but it quickly becomes obvious that this isn't fun party screaming. It isn't even like he's hurt. It's full of despair, anger, and anguish. I'm going to take a moment to remind you that this is at 9 p.m., pitch black night, in the middle of nowhere woods five miles from the nearest cell phone signal. We haven't seen anyone in hours. The screaming continues for what felt like hours, but was probably about five solid minutes. We had no idea what to make of it, and started feeling extremely paranoid. We gathered up anything remotely close to a weapon, and tried to come up with explanations of the screaming, while keeping our eyes on the forest around us. After about fifteen tense minutes of fear-induced paranoia, I nearly fell out of my seat as I watched a flashlight and lantern slowly enter our camp. I greeted the stranger with a basic, How's it going? Before he was even lit up by the fire. He responded quickly but flatly by asking if we could do him a favor. That depends on the favor, my buddy and I said in unison, obviously tense, holding our weapons close to us. The stranger proceeded to ask if he could hang out for a second by the fire. Given the two of us and one of him, plus our myriad of weapons gathered from around camp to within our arm's reach, we decided to agree and let him hang out. After a short second of awkward silence, I ask him what the hell was going on. He proceeds to tell me and my buddy that he was camping down the trail with his buddy and that his buddy had snapped and tried to kill him. Wait, what? I said, before the thought even finished processing in my head. Is that the screaming we heard earlier? The man slowly nods, staring blankly into the fire and begins his story. We were just hanging out, man. He came up earlier today and my buddy just freaked out. He started screaming and screaming and just wouldn't stop. Then he attacked me. He lunged at me. And I told him to just back off and chill, you know? Well, he kept coming after me and it started getting pretty violent. 
and I'm pretty sure he was going to kill me, so I grabbed my car keys, the lights, and ran. I don't know what to do, man. He chased me when I ran, and I don't know what to do. We don't have firearms or anything, but we do have a hatchet. My buddy and I look at each other for a second, completely astonished. Then, something horrible dawned on me. Wait, he, uh, chased you? Like he's on his way here? Right now? The man just slowly nods in reply. And right on cue, like some horrible horror movie come to life, we hear screaming from maybe 30 to 40 feet away from our camp, down the main trail. I just want your effing balance, Gary. I want your balance. Gary. Gary. Where are you? Where are you, Gary? I never in my life heard a man scream like this. I've never heard anything like it in my life. It was a brutal, guttural scream that was shrill to the ears yet deep in pitch. The sound of someone gone completely mad, and the way he said the stranger's name would switch erratically from long and sing-songy to short, guttural punches of sound. We killed our lights, became silent, and listened. By some miracle, the madman didn't notice our camp and continued walking down the trail, screaming the whole way. We ended up chatting with who we'll call Gary for hours, listening to the screaming getting further and further. Come to find out, they had taken four and a half to five grams of magic mushrooms each, and his buddy, who we'll call Ty, was a co-worker of his and was fined for three and a half hours, then suddenly snapped. It seemed as though Ty thought he could kill Gary and steal his good trip. We heard the screams get further and further for over two hours. By this time, it's 11 p.m. The moon is starting to come out, and it's below 30 degrees Fahrenheit. Ty had no jacket or flashlight, according to Gary. My buddy and I are way too drunk to drive out of camp to get cell service, as it was snowy and icy and required two to three miles of highway driving after getting off the trail. And Gary was still lightly feeling the effects of weed and mushrooms, so he couldn't drive either. We had to make the decision to let the guy wander, hope he sobered up and could find his way back. And he did. Oh, he did right into our camp. We hear yelling after about an hour of no screams, maybe 30 to 50 feet from camp again. Hey, help. Please help me, I'm lost. And we can tell the man's walking from the woods into our camp. We tell Gary to hide just in case and greet the man with me carrying my 12-gauge shotgun and my 40 caliber pistol holstered. My buddy carrying his AKA 47 style rifle and his two 9mm Glocks holstered, and with our flashlights on our brightest setting in his face. He was about 6'2, 6'3, and approximately 300 pounds. We talked to him, decided he was calm enough to walk with, and walked him back to his camp. He seemed very remorseful, said he blacked out and didn't remember anything, and had a falling out with his buddy. We escorted him back to his camp down the trail, 
returned and told Gary that Ty seemed to cool, and if anything else happened to scream and come running, we would then come out and help him out. It ended up with a happy ending. We made friends with Gary, and I got his phone number to make sure the next day he got back into town safely, back to his wife and kid. We're actually planning a camping trip with him soon. But Ty, who wandered screaming like a deranged maniac into the forest, potentially wielding a hatchet to murder your friend to steal his good trip, or whatever it is your psychosis-filled mind was thinking, for the love of God, let's not meet again. I was reminded of him just last week. After almost five years of not hearing from him, I saw him again last week. I will try my best to summarize this nightmare. Some things to note which are important to the story. One, it happened in 2017, and during that time, we went a whole year without having neighbors on either side. So basically, we're cramped between two empty houses. Number two, The streetlight in our lot had broken, and despite multiple reports to the council to fix it, nobody did. One evening, my family went out for groceries. I was left home alone. The gate was still wide open when they left, because the water pipe was located outside. I used it all the time because back then I had rabbits, so I used it to fill their water bowls. That day was no different. The sun was already setting by the time I went out to fill the bowls, feed the rabbits, and then lock the gate. It was literally five minutes after I locked the gate that someone was outside. Since the sun was already low on the horizon and with the streetlight broken, I can barely see his face. He was outside with a van, shouting for my attention. He said something about his company sending him over to do some property surveillance. It was suspicious, all right, so I ignored him and went inside. Later on, when the night got dark, my family still hadn't returned. I was inside watching Chicken Little when I heard some commotion outside. I didn't directly look at it, but I stole some glances and saw someone outside, like literally in front of my gate. He was shouting for my attention again. And guess who it was? Yep, the guy from before. I recognized his voice and again, paid him no attention. After a seemingly long few minutes, it got quiet outside. I took another peek out and, holy crap, he was attempting to climb into my house. I was so shocked that I couldn't move. But luckily, that time we had a dog named Buck who passed away not long after. Bless his soul, rest in peace. He was probably napping in one of his hiding spots and sensed some presence. As soon as the guy saw Buck coming at him, he stopped climbing and rode away on his bike. No more van. That was that. But ever since then, I kept seeing him still. How do I know it was him when I can't even see his face in the first place? Well because after that particular incident, every now and then, there was always someone hanging literally outside our gate with his bike. 
He was always making this weird sound, too. Like when you purse and smack your lips. And every time I reported it to my dad, the guy would always ride away as soon as he saw my dad checking. One time I was at the backyard collecting my laundry. If you stand on the left side of the gate but facing in, you can see the area in our backyard where we wash and dry out laundry. And he was standing right there, making those weird sounds again which drew my attention. I yelled for my dad, and again, once he saw my dad, he booked it out of there. This had been going on for almost a month. While he hadn't actually posed as a threat, it was enough for me to feel uncomfortable and unsafe, to even want to go out at night by myself. Oh, but it got worse. My room is on the outer side of the house, so I basically have a window that faces the front of the house but my room is situated on the right side of the house, if you're looking at my house. So my direct view is the overgrown bushes covering the fence. If I peek my head out the window and look to the right, I can clearly see the gate. One night, I was in my room doing some work on my desk. The window was to my left, and I left it open as I've always liked the night breeze. I don't remember how long I was working for, But then all of a sudden, I felt this dread washing over me. It's like I wasn't safe in the comfort of my room anymore. Like I was being watched. I looked out the window and tried to see in the dark. And there he was. I knew it was him. Somehow, he managed to squeeze in between the bushes and was hanging onto the fence. He saw me. I can feel him smiling at me. And then, he made those awful lips-smacking sound again. Nope. I booked it the hell out of there like a lightning bolt. Again, I reported it to my dad. And again, he rode out of there before he can catch him in the act. Sometimes, my dad and sister thought I was imagining stuff. Because when they kept their eyes outside, they saw nothing. But I was the one who saw him every time. But I know for a fact that it's real. He's real. And it's the same person every time. This continued on for another month. So, two months in total. He'd come and taunt me with his lips-smacking skill and rode away before my dad or sister can get a good look at him. And then, one day, he stopped coming. And I haven't seen or heard his stupid lips-smacking sounds anymore. That is, until last week. I was home alone again. My sister was caught up at work, and my dad left to pick up my brother from his workplace. I was in the living room watching the TV when I heard that awfully familiar lips-smacking sound. At this point, our streetlight is still broken. We've installed some fence lights. But this dude hid in the dark where the light was too faint to reach. He was out there with his bike again, only this time I heard him giggle. I've never heard him giggle before, and no, this isn't the cute kind of giggle. It sounded malicious. I tried my hardest to ignore him, to not pay him any attention, but he was still out there making all kinds of noises. Over a year ago, we got a new dog 
Gibbs. He was a rescued stray. He must have heard him too. As soon as the guy saw Gibbs coming at him, he rode away again. That was last week. Five years ago, he terrified me to the point where I was so afraid of being outside on my own at night, even if it were to just pick up laundry. Sometimes at night, I can't even sleep without checking every corner of the house just to make sure he's not there. And for a short period, I slept with the lights on. And even though he didn't exactly do anything physically threatening, him playing psycho tricks over a long period on me is enough to make me feel unsafe in my own house. Just when he was finally out of my head, he came back. Worst still, I have never ever seen his face, but I think he has seen mine. I hope I won't ever have to see his face. His presence alone is malicious as is. Stalker from the dark, please, please, let's not meet ever again. And that, dear listeners, is the end of these true Let's Not Meet stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.